Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me. What's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com, where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to another episode of Colton Classic, the podcast where we bring to you a mainstream film and a cult film with similar themes and discuss each in detail. With me, as always, is Tad Mastroianni. How you doing, Tad? Ahoy, fiends. And Jeffrey Tucker. How you doing? What's up? I forgot to prepare a thing. Uh, <laughs> and my name is Nate Wyckoff, comedian and film critic for horrornews.net and as always uh we will be playing you clips from these films that we're discussing uh they're for review purposes and uh let you know why you might want to see these flicks so first up we've got a uh metal music mayhem double hitter for you first up is verotica 2019's uh, debut film entry by glenn danzig original frontman for the band the misfits um so We'll get into that in a second, but following that up, we have 1986's Vicious Lips by Albert Pion, who is uh, uh, pretty, pretty well known in the, uh, in the schlock film category. He's done some interesting things, especially 1980s, often forgotten Captain America movie, uh, <clears throat> as well as Dungeon Master and, and some other good flicks. So we'll talk about these. First up is Verotica. Now, a little bit of background. Verotica is um, a, an anthology film by Glenn Danzig from his erotic horror comic series uh, imprint, which is called Verotique. And he took three stories directly from his comics for this and put sort of a framing Crypt Keeper-esque character uh, in it as well. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this right off the bat. These are, I normally would say I'll summarize the plot, but I don't feel like these have plots. They're a series of events that occur and we are subject to watch them. So the, the, the first is uh, called uh, the jet, let's see, uh, the albino spider of the jet. And uh, then the next is called change of face. And then the third is called Drukia Contessa of blood. And uh, they're all, I'm going to say they're all derivative of other horror stories, but they have, I have a hard time classifying them as a story because they don't really have a beginning, middle and end in most cases. Uh, in the first one, 
a woman who has large breasts with eyes instead of nipples cannot find love because of aforementioned uh, affliction. And uh, when she's rejected, a tear falls from her eye onto a spider, which is on a rose on a side table next to her couch. And that spider becomes a giant man spider that rapes and kills people while she sleeps. Uh, the second story, Change of Faces, involves a stripper with scars on her face who likes to kill women, peel off their faces, and collect them. I guess she wears them. Uh, it's it's kind of unclear. She normally just ha hangs them on nails on the wall. I think uh, she wears them like under the mask that she wears. She wears over. Stage. Yeah, it, it's a little. There's a little bit of redundancies there. Yeah. Um, the last one is uh, the Drukia or Drukija, Countess of Blood, which is clearly based off of uh, the story of Elizabeth Bathory, who bathed in virgin blood to uh, make herself look younger, a real historical figure, who I believe she was actually like boarded up in her castle by the villagers and starved to death. I think that was how her life ended up. We don't have that actual resolution in that one. Um, it's literally, she just is like a Templar knight dressed countess who lives in a castle and has people bring her virgins, which she then kills and, and bathes, literally bathes in the blood. I, I don't know, there's no plot there. It just is a series of scenes involving that. So, <clears throat> and then there's the framing story, which isn't a story at all, but it's the framing character, um, which uh, her, her name is, uh, these are all very like pulpy names, you know, like they'd be right in a place in like a 1940s fantasy, which I'm okay with that. Um, but I think Morella, Morella is the name. And again, if you have read any of the Verati comics, these are in there. Uh, I guess to start off, this film, a lot of people like, like just viewers, not professional critics were saying that this was the horror version of, of Tommy Wiseau's The Room, which is a famously inhuman film it just doesn't match story logic you know people say things for no reason everything's unmotivated i am very skeptical because that is a very specific type of film it's very hard for most people to make a story not make sense in such a way that we don't understand why people are doing things like that's even in in shark exorcist which we reviewed back way back in episode one uh donald farmer's uh shark demon uh cross story I feel like there was overall a framing story. There was a woman, there was a shark that was caught, but it is very muddled. This is very much that, except for there is no conclusion to anything, except for maybe the first story with the, with the Spider-Man. I mean, am I wrong? I think that really this is, this is the thing. Tad, what, did, what was your take? Okay, where do I even begin? <laughs> That's, I'm having trouble. So, so I, I definitely agree there. This was one of those things when I was sitting down going, what exactly is the point? Now, the first story, I got to say, was at least complete. Yes. The, the, the albino, uh, is it the al uh, Darjeet's albino spider or something spider. like that? The, the, there, the albino spider of Darjeet. There was, there was characterization. There was a plot. There was a mystery. There was murder. And it actually ended. So I guess I got to give it credit. I also have to give it credit for basically ripping off the most famous line, basically from the movie Whore, where the guy drives up in a car and goes, I want to fuck you in the ass. You could yes. stick it up yours, asshole. I would if I could, bitch. It's basically just like Danzig apparently looked at that and went, I could do better. And, and his, his better, this is verbatim. His better is, I would like, and this is the spider monster who is looming in the alleyway and supposedly in the dark, even though he's completely lit, 
while a prostitute who says things as though she can see him but is not looking at him is leaning against a brick wall says uh the guy says the monster says i would like to bend you over in this alley and fuck you in the ass and she says you have good eyes ass fuck is my specialty that is verbatim what his improvement upon that line was i i i i had i mean i think the better the best moment in the movie definitely came in the next story but let's let's uh let's just i don't i don't even know how to how to approach that considering that it was clear that that character had no penis yes i'm not exactly sure how that was supposed to happen so okay before i'm gonna play a clip in a second before that jeff what was, let's talk about this first story. Okay, this first story featuring uh, Vigette and, and her albino spider monster, which is, he is a giant. So I will say this. I actually had kind of high hopes for this being highly, at least entertaining, which in some ways it was because there's production value that's kind of interesting in this first segment. The, mm-hmm. uh, the albino spider's costume is actually pretty cool. Yep. Like uh, it's, it's, it's like got full face applique. He's all white. He's got these sort of scarification designs. Um, he has obviously his two real arms and then uh, th- I guess some additional sets of like fake prosthetic arms. That for the, mm-hmm. They do an okay job um, of, of looking like they could be there. And he does a lot of like grimacing and posing and growling and everybody has a French accent because I guess it's supposed to be in France. Um, he does okay. Uh, and the the actor is Scotch Hopkins. He, he might be the best actor in this, actually. He was in um, Gangsterland in 2017. He's been in some other films. But uh, like you said, clearly has no penis. Like the costume ends at like about the hip region. And then there's just like a flap of torn fabric over the crotch. And there's one scene in particular <laughs> where he's like thrusting into a woman, a, a potential murder victim, as she's like, oh, no, which, you know, that, that's understandable. And, uh, and then he is called back because he only can do things when there's just a sleep, right? So when she wakes up, he, he I guess, appears to her in her apartment. This is really unclear. Um, and yeah, and then you get a full view of him and you're like, how are you doing this? You got no pee pee. Like that, <laughs> that cannot work. Um, but that effect was interesting. And also the applique of the, the eyeballs that, that cry several times. Um, on Dajit's breast, who is, she's played by Ashley Wisdom, who is an adult film performer. Um, she has done some non-adult films as well. She was in 2018's Reprisal with um, uh, Bruce Willis. But she's very, you know, she's very clearly an adult star. Uh, she's been touched by an angel, let's just say that, about the face area. Um, but yeah, so Jeff, what's your take on this, this first segment? Oh boy. I see you were you were worried about yielding the floor to me because clearly I'm gonna have a lot of words here. <laughs> so oh my gosh! So one of my favorite bits was there was literally drawn on like French mustaches. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And, oh my god, that killed me. <laughs> yes, I know. Just going know. along with all the bad French accents, it's just like people in France don't speak English with bad French accents. They speak French, <laughs> so like. Like, what were you doing? Just have people speak English. Um, but, oh, my gosh. Like so this, this production mistake. Yeah, it's just a, just a strategical mistake. Yeah, is <laughs> like, get some, uh, you know, adult actresses to do some French accents. What could go wrong? Um, yep. But, my God, the, the yeah, from, from, from the, the, the beginning of this, you know, I was like, oh, an anthology thing. That's kind of down my alley. But... Uh, unfortunately the thing that makes anthologies strong is you 
you really get deep into character development and you're, you're driven by different things than like plot um, in a lot of cases. Um, you're generating like a really cool world. Um, you're generating, uh, you know, some really deep characters because you're not spending any time doing anything else. You're just spending time with the characters. Uh, in this case, it's like, it basically is like spending time with a fetish. It's like you, you start out with the choking fetish uh, and then we end with a blood fetish. Um, and there's like not much else going on there. Yeah, I, I, gotta, I gotta say, the fetish thing is, is because I mean, and first off, anybody that knows the Misfits, we're all big Misfits fans, I think, here. I mean, my, the Chud has covered several classic Danzig songs. But uh, I, I will say that this has got to be the most unsexy film that has a lot of nudity in it throughout that I have probably ever seen. And it's not even because, I think a lot of people would assume that it's because of the sort of misogynistic overtones um, of, of the film, you know, all the violences against women for the most part, blah, blah, blah. It opens with a, a helpless woman getting her eyes gouged out by like the, the storyteller, Morella. Uh, it's just, but it's not because it's so, it's almost like, I mean, it's so goofy and unbelievably like poorly executed. And I think that is the core here is it is shocking to see how little if you ever want to be on the show, Glenn Danzig, please feel free. I'd throw in this out there for you right now, but I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of core mechanics of visual storytelling that you do not understand. And I think you probably learned that in this film. I mean, I don't even like, I don't even, it, like you said, it's very hard to find things to even say to start because let's just take it piece by piece. So in the beginning of the story about uh, uh, the albino spider, we have, um, uh, Ashley Wisdom's character, Dajit, who, Dajit, I don't know if Ashley Wisdom and, and Danzig are actually a couple or dating. They've been in public several times. It may just be to promote the movie. That's just hearsay. But she's on the couch. She gets rejected by a guy who takes her shirt off and sees that she has eyes for nipples, um, which I'm going to be honest, in this world, cinematic world that, that this all takes place, that being a deal breaker is kind of surprising to me. And mm. <laughs> and, and, and then she cries. And there is a, a 3D, we're talking birdemic 3D spider craw crawling up the rose that's on the table next to her. And she cries and a teardrop falls and apparently breaks all physics in the universe because it somehow lands about three and a half feet to the right. <laughs> Yeah, on top yeah, yeah. of a spider and yeah, that yeah, yeah. that effect somehow causes the spider to uh fall twitch and transform into this ginormous man spider that that feeds on on rape and murder and mm, man lives in her dreams and lives in her dreams when he feels like it i guess because she's with her when she's anyway um i don't understand that uh but that's okay but that sort of it was so jarring that there's the 180 degree rule that's broken all the time in the shots and that's when if you're filming a scene from several angles you have to stay on one side of 180 degree frame like you can't go beyond it because if you're here 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 and then you break to the other side all of a sudden you're flipping everything on the audience and it's confusing that happens over and over again and even if someone doesn't understand that rule, they're going to be like, what the hell? Like, where, where am I? Where am I looking at? Um, I will say this first scene, as Tad said, it does have an arc, uh, sort of. I mean, uh, Dajit's horrified by these murders, so she eventually knocks herself unconscious or dead. We don't really know. I assume it's dead with some pills. And then the monster is all of a sudden trapped 
in the real world it doesn't make any sense like he he's in the real world now so he can get shot by three police officers who are clearly not french their mustaches are drawn on and their final lines of the scene are leaning over the jet's body they've just shot a like multi-armed white monstrosity creature mm-hmm. okay that's lying on the floor <laughs> but they decide that it's actually more interesting to look at the woman whose shirt has fallen open as she's fallen to the ground and then after several moments uh she has eyeballs for titties like that's the that's like their takeaway and that's the end of it and you and and then <laughs> this is the crowning moment this is the best moment in the film i don't care what anybody says the tear then rolls down the breasts from the breast eye like that is the most give it to danzig for that one that's creative i don't know that i've seen that or heard that anywhere else that's bizarre um if this whole movie had if all three segments and the framing story like sort of had that bizarre impact i think that it would have been a much more interesting Mm, and successful film um that first segment also i feel like has better lighting and sets it's not coherent by any stretch i mean at one point dejet is like at a, at a photo shoot that she doesn't apparently have to be in because she's not in it and she's getting taunted by other models who I don't I don't understand I don't know I don't know what I don't even know how to address that scene um, and then she goes to a cafe and they tell her she has to go even though she just sat down and she's like I have my coffee but she doesn't have her coffee because time has no meaning and then she goes to a um, adult film because that's what people do when they're trying to stay awake. She goes to an adult film and of course falls asleep and, and almost gets raped by three adult, I mean, by three adult men in the theater who apparently are just like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't realize you didn't want to be assaulted when she wakes <laughs> well, up. At like, least they had the courtesy to stop. They're like, oh, you're awake. Never mind. Sorry. Go, I don't. Go, you're now go. a human being again. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even understand. Like that whole, it's just, yeah. so yeah that's that's the first segment i mean does anybody have anything to add on on the jet and the albino spider which is by far the most visually impressive oh it's i think they blew all their budget right there Mm. um jeff what's the name of the serial killer please tell me the name of the serial killer yeah name of the what's the name of the serial killer because it's fucking fantastic I have no idea what you're talking about. Isn't it the neckbreaker? Lay no? neckbreaker. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Lay neckbreaker. Lay neckbreaker. Being the, the yeah yeah yeah. Lay neckbreaker. That's what they're com- calling. Yeah. People take it completely seriously in the movie too. It's like beware for there's a serial killer on the loose. Lay neckbreaker. I'm like what? The oh yeah. Fuck? That was the worst French accent too. The, yes, the, that the, 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 the waiter. Know. Yeah, and I don't, know, don't like, even I'm know sure, what he was doing. <laughs> I'm sure everybody in this movie is somebody Danzig knows somehow. Yeah, like, that yeah, makes yeah. sense. Because, I mean, he, the waiter is, like, just a waiter. But he also has, like, clear, like, neck tattoos coming yeah, up over yeah, his collar. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the costuming is... Uh, hookers would be ashamed of the costuming. And I, I have nothing against prostitutes, uh, men or women or otherwise. But these are some bad outfits, okay? Like, um... Dejit's is just this crop top shirt. And I mean, she has very large breasts. And mm-hmm. so it's just, that is her outfit. And then um, it's almost like, it's almost like Glenn Danzig hired adult stars and then refused to pay them enough to actually give adult performances. Like there's no, there's like, it's really not, not sexy at all and i mean these people have to have some acting skills they faked orgasms for 20 years Mm. right like they have to have some skill and this is not this is not on display but that 
that is the height of this film. Every single story, I think, goes down in quality. Um, That's accurate. Let's just play. Let's just play. This is a. This is actually probably the best scene, and it's and it's uh, Scott Hodgkins, uh, Scott Hodgkins as as the albino spider when he first shows up. The shed only I truly love you. Only I know your pain. Sleep, my Tashet. For when you sleep, when you dream, it is then, only then that I am free to roam. Yeah, we don't know how he roams. I don't know how he shows up anywhere. I mean, he can't put his arms down, so that's kind of gonna make it more difficult to get into cabs, but he does show up at various places. Um, can we just throw out too, the most like affected and confused person in that whole movie has to be the woman that's getting raped by the albino spider and then Dejet wakes up. And what happened to that lady? Like, cause we don't know. She's just in her apartment and that's a story she can't tell. So you just therapist. like vanish or something? Like, or? I, I don't know. I have no idea. Or did he just like, oh, I'm, I have to go, like, dang it. And he just like puts on his 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 no pants and walks home. I don't know. <laughs> I don't Takes know. off the penis for the next so, scene. <laughs> uh, Nate, so Nate, no. One, I talk about it all the time. Soundtracks are very important to me. Mm-hmm. And two, I am a big fan of Dan Zig's solo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I love uh, all three of his original, like eight, late '80s to early '90s albums. Mm-hmm. That scene, it sounded like they were gonna play "How the Gods Kill" somewhere in there, and I was gonna get all hyped up for it, and it never happened. In fact, where was Danzig's music? Like so this was, the, his, yeah, here's this was his movie. Here's the thing: um, he actually, so Danzig did the um, the or, I don't know what how else we call it the orchestral material in this film. So he did like that background music, and actually the background music does have kind. Of, I thought it was fine. I, I didn't. I didn't find it, you know, particularly. It wasn't bad. Odorous. I think it was fine. Um, but I will say it is interesting that his, like, because he has a, a few songs. Actually, he only has one song, to my one, knowledge, in, on in that. his own movie. He's got one song in his one. own movie. Yeah, Eyes Ripping Fire. Um, and then he has Ministry, but that's really where the that's the end of the big. I would say the big names that some people who aren't into this sort of this sort of music that I, I don't really know what you'd call it because it's I wouldn't say that it's traditionally metal. It's kind of that metal goth post punk hybrid. Yeah. Um, and there's actually some bad music in here, in my opinion. Um, just not a bad in the way that I was like, this is terrible. But it's like I'm like, man, it's not that great. And I think most of that is during the strip club scenes in the second section of the film which we could move on to the, the change of face, which I don't know if that's supposed to be a clever play on words. It sounds like it is, but it doesn't. It, it's just literally what happens. Um, uh, but before we do, so, so Dejet has weird things about eyes, but only in one instance, she has eyeballs in her breast. That's it. That's mm. the only thing, but somehow and apparently, unexplained. and it's unexplained. And apparently that's, yeah, completely, completely unexplained. And that apparently is the the takeaway. And I only assume it's the takeaway because the character Morella, who's a guest telling these stories, although that's never made clear either, pops up after the segment. And this is what she says. Well, there you go. The eyes have it. That's all fine and well. But what am I supposed to do with these? 
Yeah, and these would be the two eyes that she gouged out of somebody's face in the opening scene of the movie, which had no impact. Mm -hmm. So, um, and probably was one of the better special effects also in that case. Uh, the eyes actually looked gouged out. So there you go. Um, and by the way, Morella is played by Caden Cross, who is another adult uh, film star. She's done some other movies since then, but for the most part, she does um, straight up pornography films i mean slutty and slutty are 23 i'm looking at the list here and they all are you know <laughs> many of them are numbered entries so but she's very successful great for her um i don't know i don't understand the character choice in that like i don't there's no gravitas to the morella character even though she's sort of the storyteller in this series and in the comics i and also her makeup it needs when it's on the page drawn like things look cool. Like the poster for this film, you can, if you're watching the video of this, you can see behind me, but you can also Google it. Um, I don't know if it's Bisley who did it, but great artwork. And that's probably the thing that carries uh, Dan Diggs comics more is that he has interesting artists do these things. So the story <laughs> is really less of a necessity. Um, and when you don't have that and things like the little, she has like little upside down iron crossy type things under her eyes, they're like drawn on and they're not drawn on even badly, but they're drawn on. Like you can't do that in front of a film camera and expect it to look good it just doesn't and so it really just has no impact except to say you're watching a no budget film imdb <laughs> imdb estimated the film budget for this to be a million which is hot garbage there's no way that this movie cost a million dollars i mean maybe even advertising and distribution and additional things like that but um no it's, no. it's either that or a million just don't buy you what it used to well, I mean, perhaps uh, people like Ashley Wisdom and Kate Cross, like if, if they were performing uh, in an adult capacity, they would be paid a lot more. I have a hard time imagining they're getting paid as much for this because, I mean, it, this is this this is a different kind of uh, of mm, industry service. So, <laughs> so the next one we have is uh, the next story is Change of Face. This one. It, it's supposed to go somewhere, but it doesn't. Like we said, um, the uh, Rachel Alec, who's, uh, she's an actress. She's typically been in like bikini scenes and things, but she's an actress who, to my knowledge, has not done pornography. She plays a very like 80s inspired looking like Joan Jetty character who wears a face, all a leather face and has scars under it i guess right like she covered she's trying to use other people's faces to cover up some sort of facial scar um it's sort of, yeah it, it, it happens sort of, later it happened late yeah I, I don't i don't know so so what we see is is she kills women seemingly at random um uses a knife to peel off their face which is a terrible terrible just slice of latex with holes they put in it um and and then she takes them to the strip club where she works and i guess she has like a back room a giant back room of the strip club with exposed brick wall and stuff and she hangs them on nails over a little kid's vanity like that's that's the plot i guess uh because there is no other plot there's a there's a police officer who's trying to catch her um and most of the of that is scenes of people just talking like Mm, like that's that's a shame like we're gonna catch this maniac and then scenes of her like staring at the faces hanging while talking to them like they're children i guess but then the other half of it is just strip club scenes and i assume it's a real strip club but the decor around the edges looks like a buca de beppo italian restaurant 
Like, I don't, I don't really, it, I mean, I assume that it is a strip club. Hey, it has poles to put. I think you just came up with a great business venture right here, an Italian restaurant and strip club. I, it's like, you know what? I can't imagine that doesn't exist in Jersey. Somebody, amen. you know, <laughs> service has to end at some point. Email Nathan, email Nathan J. Wyckoff at gmail.com and tell me where, because we'll plug it. But yeah, I, I don't, so anyway, so, and here's the other thing. They, I think he got some, some strippers and adult, a lot of adult form stars previously, you know, have worked in clubs and things like that to do the stripping in the background. And I always, actually, it's actually quite a skill to work the pole. Like, I mean, hey, I can't do it. There's no question about that. Mm. Um, but the, the character who she's only known as Mystery Girl and then later in the, in the series, Strange, uh, Rachel Alleg's character, I'm sorry, she cannot, she mm -hmm. cannot dance strip at all. So you have these people around her that are actually doing strip. Yeah, and then she has a cape. <laughs> and she just does, she, just, she does like the um, little kid uh, Dracula cape sway in front of her face over and over again, which th nobody's throwing dollars. I don't care like how much it goes on for so long. So long. Um, and I also oh feel, goodness. here's the thing about nudity in film. Like I, if you want to be, if you don't mind being nude in it and you're in it, or if it's a scene when it calls for it, you know, something, that's fine. Like, I love cult cinema. I love exploitation cinema and sexploitation cinema and the whole gamut. So there's nothing that I probably haven't seen. But if this is like your first like big film role or, or big in quotes film role, and most of your scenes have you in like electrical tape or, or in this case, little skull pasties just like writhing in front of the camera. I feel kind of bad because I don't think this movie was the caliber was worth it for you. Maybe I'm totally wrong and this will get her tons of work. I have a feeling Danzig's going to make some more movies because despite everything, I'm sure this movie's getting bought. Um, and, uh, and I guess I just felt bad because I'm like, I don't know that she's a terrible actress. Um, it's impossible to tell because she doesn't deliver lines to anyone. Danzig has her look at the fucking camera over and over and over again. She delivers lines into space and then she turns over her shoulder and stares at the camera and sometimes delivers one more line. And you can see in this movie, in all the segments, everyone thinking, is he gonna tell me that the scene is wrapped? Is he gonna call cut ever? Or am I just gonna, is this my life now? Is this entire, <laughs> is this scene the rest of my life? Because well, literally the last scene was really like that. Okay, we'll get there. We'll yeah, get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, um, but yeah. So, so mystery girl. So she dances, and she wears a like you said. You can see her eyes have a little bit of like supposedly like scarring, and most of the facial effects on that are pretty good. And actually, the skinned faces in this segment also I thought were pretty effective. Um, it looks like they used some still frame art over people's actual faces. To look, I don't know. It worked for me. It was fine. Mm. Um, I'm gonna play though my favorite scene from this um it's it's when it's when mystery girl has apparently broken into a random woman's apartment here we go what do you want hello pretty collections collections what do you mean collections who are you how did you get in here haven't you heard i'm the face collector face collector i've come to get your face my face no that's the extent of her being upset about her face getting shaved no. off my face. No. My like, face. it's really and my favorite thing is that uh 
she you presumably gets her face carved off you see it happen with one of the worst jump cut special effects ever um it, it's her face with some blood and then the next cut it is a flat piece of of tan latex just sitting on top of a head it is unbelievably shocking to watch but she then after mystery girl leaves we get a scene of her standing up like with no face and like dripping blood and being like my face and that's the same level of intensity she's like oh no like i forgot to feed the cat like it's the same thing and it is mind-blowing it is mind-blowing yeah. i don't and, and to be unfortunately i don't have on the top of my head who that uh uh that actress was um <laughs> that was courtney stodden courtney stodden Courtney Sodden. Okay, yeah. So, um, and I mean, again, there's a lot of people in this movie um, that that people may know from adult films and from some other oddball films. Kansas Bowling is in it. Uh, people may know her name in, in some areas, but it is this this segment. It, basically, she then gets shot by a police officer, right? And we assume like you see some blood samples, and then it jumps forward in time, and. She's under the name Strange, dancing a little bit better at a different strip club. And she has like bullet wound scars on her. Now, here's what I don't understand. She covers the minor scars on her face, mother face. But the like Coke bottle rim giant scars all over her body by the end, she has no problem with. Like, wouldn't she then be like the corpse collector or the, the, you know, the arm collector or whatever and be covering her entire body? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't understand what we're supposed to understand. Like, there's no end to the story. She got shot. She moved. She does it elsewhere. Like, the, dancing, this is not a story structure. You know, Freytag's pyramid, right? Like, rising action, you know, climax. It, it doesn't, there's nothing here. Yeah. There's also, there's no real, like you said, there's no character there either. Like, no. we don't, we don't know her motivations. You don't know, like, her past. We don't know really anything except that she likes to cut people's faces off. And then she also seems to like to dance. She doesn't accept money, so she's not doing it for monetary gain. So, I don't know, maybe that's like, she wants to be beautiful. And that's the way, like, Does, does know, she, she not accept money? Because she kind yeah, of. Yeah, she literally tears up a $100 bill. I don't even remember that. It's too, it's, <laughs> it's too like, it's, it's so, yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like we, we needed, we needed more out of this character for, to even get in, in the room. I mean, it's just like, doesn't, who is this character? It's just, uh, there's, yeah, just I don't like know. His faces. I, I will say, I don't know. here's, here's the one thing I loved about this. Her wig was friggin' awesome. That was, if Pat Benatar and Elvira had a baby, that would be the wig. Like, mm -hmm. that's that wig. It was great. It was super <laughs> 80s and I absolutely loved it. And her makeup for it was great, too. Um, yeah. And I don't know, maybe I'd, I'd like to see her in a film where maybe she could have a chance to act to a person. Um, yeah, and, but, like but who knows? And there's that has, like, meaning <laughs> there's and, lots like, of character development to yeah, it. There's, I, let's not shoot for the moon here, but there's like... <laughs> There's lots of there's lots of scenes, almost every scene where people are talking and like they're not looking at anyone. Like yeah. they, they're like talking to someone who is six feet high in front of them. And then in the next scene, the person they're supposed to be talking to is like a, a you know, five foot one and four feet to her left, like or her right, whatever. It just it makes zero sense and it's super disjointed. 
and there's lots of those you know like uh, first time filmmaker problems like unbelievably drawn out long shots and that brings us to <laughs> the next one jeff this one is is the the elizabeth bathory ripoff story and it is a ripoff story because you could have just done an elizabeth bathory story it doesn't have to be another character that is just this character yeah um, so uh, i'm gonna be honest uh i didn't watch the whole thing uh, I skipped ahead a lot. I watched every scene in Shark Exorcist, including rewinding and rewatching things, because oh. I was trying to figure out what was happening. I couldn't watch it. It was just so boring and repetitive. Uh, yeah, repetitive. Literally was just, oh, blood. Okay, more blood, more blood, more blood, more, more blood in a different more way. Blood. Okay, yeah. let's just skip ahead. I, you saw I it in a different it. way. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I get it. I get it. Let's just get to the fucking end and see if there's something different. There wasn't. It wasn't even like okay. So the the one of the redeeming factors of the last two pieces was that there was a lot of unintentional humor, like the cops. We didn't even mention the cops. Where it's like he's like oh. yeah, she got her sli- his face sliced off. She bled to death. Nice. Or like the cop who literally just sits there, stares, takes a giant bite out of the donut sips the coffee i'm like was this done on purpose this doesn't seem like danzig's Danzig's forte it seems like he would take this seriously and that's the thing danzig's kind of known like the word on the street so to speak about danzig is that he does not have humor and that there is no which i don't know if that's true because i mean when he was an aquatina hunger force that's the character he played right yeah yeah yeah. you see my robot (laughs) yeah so it's like so i mean I don't know. I don't really, that's the part of the thing about Danzig and people who have a career built around that sort of persona. It's, it's mm. like, you know, like Johnny Rotten before he was John London, right? Like it's just, we don't really, we don't know him personally at all. Um, and so I, it's hard to judge. I, I would say the humor the, is hard because the dialogue is so dreadful and so stilted and the scenes and the audio is always audible, but not phenomenal. Um, but don't judge us. This is a budget podcast. Okay. Um, but yeah, so this third one, uh, you did not miss anything. If you skipped just about everything, literally it is, uh, it is, uh, um, what is her name? She's another adult star, Alice Tate. Uh, and Alice Tate, she does have an acting career outside of, um, adult film. She's been, uh, in many things. And, um, I guess, is she an adult actress? Maybe I'm completely wrong, man. Just and that's just type. Uh, I, I I actually thought she could maybe act if if like yeah, given in the opportunity. She, but it literally she, just they didn't give yeah, her it. She, I think she's probably the strongest, if not just one of the strongest um, cast members in this film. And she yeah. partially because she is giving she's giving nothing in this segment. Um, the entire segment is her selecting um, blonde girls that look like they're not old enough to be in this movie and then having them executed and drained into a um, spirit Halloween bathtub full of blood. Uh, and then and then she just writhes in the thing, literally looking at her fake blood-covered hands for minutes on end. We're not, I'm not kidding you. Like, 15 minutes worth of this footage. Oh, and then when she gets out, then it's like, look how lo- do I look younger? And she looks in a mirror for 10 minutes. No joke. Like, it's just her looking at herself the entire time. 
and except for a couple of completely nonsensical, nonsensical additions uh, like this one. She's talking to a dog, a wolf, okay? She's talking to a wolf uh, for no reason because she has, she goes and searches out virgins and has uh, her own weird little people surrounding her in her castle that will go find her these, these girls to butcher. And um, yet she at one point just takes bits and pieces of these women's bodies into the woods and tells a black wolf to find a virgin for her for no, I don't know, let's listen. They are like you and I. We like what we like and whether or not they understand it does not matter. Now, my black. Let's just, before I continue on this quote, I feel like that's Danzig directly talking to us as the audience. He's like, mm. I don't care if they don't understand, fuck them. That's literally <laughs> that's what he's saying. And then let's keep going. Please bring me a girl, bring her to me, bring out her throat, and let me suckle, first feet, juice. Now, given Alice Tate's, what we've talked about is probably her, her stronger acting ability, I just, with that accent, I just felt like we were just watching Heidi Klum's home videos. Like that weird Austrian svet juice, like let me suckle that svet juice from the virgins line is just, it's so heavy handed that it's like, I don't, did, did, it's like he took a poetry writing class and they studied Wordsworth and then he was like, I'm gonna write my script like that. It's just, it's too much. It's ridiculous. And the dog never comes back. There's no scene with the dog again. I don't know. I don't know if you had like, if there was, if there's a part two, like, do I need to read the comics or there's there footnotes, Danzig, that I'm supposed to understand? It was it literally, it was actually, that was like the only scene that wasn't just like bloodletting and yeah. blood bathing. There, there's and the beheading so, scene. Okay. Uh, but, but there was we'll still get a lot that. of blood in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like too much blood. But um yeah, I mean there was like like one scene with like some sort of dialogue that wasn't like directly related to virgins and virgin blood. Uh so I don't know, that's why you put it in there, even though you have a conclusion. It was like the only thing that created like just you know, it was just a flat line, that whole whole like like 30 minutes was just a flat line and there was just like a little blip of something different and then it was just finished off with the flat line i i i i i had to mull on it and this i just the, it was a it was 30 minutes of exhausting basically it's like at some point it just became exhausting to watch this it's like what what am i watching i mean and it's not even necessarily the gore it's more like just the it's yeah, you're you're right. It's basically a flat line of gore, except with no purpose whatsoever. And I've watched Dead Alive with you guys. Dead Alive is an absolute just. It does Dead not Alive. let up on you. It, it is doesn't a delight. let up on you ever. It is. It is. I, I, I ate a bucket <laughs> of fried chicken while watching that movie because right. but, but there's a there's kind of a point, and it's a, such a spectacle throughout the entire movie that yeah. you're just like, what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. This movie, it's like I know exactly what's going on, and now I'm tired. Yes, yeah. and I think you're right because there's no, I mean. Some of the effects are okay, but it's like they, like you said, it's like they blew their budget on the first segment and literally, and this is mean, maybe, but because there are so many basic technical problems with the storytelling and cinematography and, and editing in this, I'm like, 
did Danzig film this in chronological order? Did he actually think that he had to film the first scene first? And so they spent everything they had on that first segment. And then the other two were left with like B footage. Because I guarantee that's what happened. Like, that what happened even... with Transformers movies. Eventually they just ran out of money and everything kind of like. I, I know, I, I know. Like, and I mean, and Tommy was so, here's the thing. So for those, for, for everybody who's watched The Room <laughs> and been confused or, or the disaster artist and been amazed, like, this really is on that level. Like this really is the kind of thing where uh, at its core, it does not understand why it doesn't work. Like mm. it is so innately wrong. It's like hearing um, a minor note in the middle of a, a, a jazz performance that throws you <laughs> off. Like it's like, it's like freeform jazz that isn't smart enough to be aware that it's being a jackass. Like it just, it just <laughs> hits you and you're just like, what, what? really and like you're like i can't believe it you know it's like um yeah that it really it's almost like terrence malick stepped in and guest directed this and and yes that's a dig on terrence malick but <laughs> so so that last one i mean it's bad I, I, that that one had me like oh because it's so long and there's the beheading scene which is the only other different scene which a person who's beheaded and uh, you're right. There's absolutely no difference. The best scene, though, <laughs> just buckets of blood, man. The best, the best part is they cut off the head, and then they show the head on the ground, and one of the eyes is like weirdly popped out, and actually is disconcerting. It's really weird. It's but then she picks up the head, and the longer they show it, I'm like, I'm pretty sure they severed the head of like a real doll, like a sex doll, because that is what it looks like. And it's like at that first shot, it was just disturbing because it's waxy and, and, and got different components. It's not just a painted fake head. But then like the more she holds it, it's just, it's, it's somebody, somebody butchered their neighbor's Halloween display like, and took it with them. And, um, and there, are, there are other scenes. She has a naked girl that she you know, supposedly gouges her innards out. But again, it's just not, it's hard for me to even call this like, despicable misogyny even though clearly i mean it's it's danzig that's kind of his shtick right i it's just it's just it's it is boiling hot garbage served with a straw like we're expected to drink it up and i can do that for a while it's like it's an experience to watch this movie but mm -hmm. revisiting it is going to be a tough one and I think yeah. it's one of those things that you're going to see it on the shelves or the digital shelves of a lot of uh, hipsters, like, you know, Blu-ray rack. But when they go, like, did you watch it? Oh, yeah. Oh, do you want to watch it? And you're just going to be met with no. Because it's just, it's too much. It's too much to swallow. It's, yeah, um, it's, it, this is not going to be the room. There's not going to be midnight showings with people throwing forks. If right. just for the last scene, like, you know, yeah. maybe there'll be like a cut without the last, the, the last uh, bit, the last uh, yeah. anthology segment. True, true. But like, like I, yeah, I mean, like there's like elements of it, like the the painted on mustache, like gets me. Yeah. Like I might just go back and look <laughs> at a photo of that every once in a while, just for a laugh, because it's so funny. It's so ridiculous. There's the bad French accents. And then this, you know, this big monster, this big scary monster that has this ridiculous painted on French mustache, the little curly, just like a little curly mustache drawn on. It's hysterical. Uh, it, it'll it'll tickle me until I'm like you know ninety and gray. I'll be enjoying that little, little drawn on mustache. I'll be telling I'll be I'll be telling my children one day about the giant spider 
that wanted to fuck you in the ass. And break your neck. <laughs> yeah, and then break your neck. Uh, You're joking, right? And also that um, I don't <clears throat> that, that prostitute in that scene who he says that to also probably um, I think Katerina Bukovac. Bukovac. I'm not good with my Russian or Ukrainian, but uh, she probably is one of the better actresses in this as well. And again, she gets a very, <laughs> a very important role. Um, yeah, no, she gets this garbage role that is just redonkulous. So, and is that, you know what, now that I think back on it, is that the woman that he's assaulting and then disappears from? I or is that, think so. I don't know. We'd have to so go back disjointed. and that going back. I'm not going back, but I, uh, yeah. So, well, so, okay. One and done. And then we get the disappointing ending to the disappointing final segment, which is Morella's character bathing in that same schlocky bone bathtub, which is that gray foam that every single, you know, um, spirit Halloween has. And I just, uh, I just, I was like, I was like, I, fuck you, Danzig. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to join Michael Graves' Patreon <laughs> just to spite you. And, Michael Graves. And that's, I like Michael Graves. He was the better so, singer. Sorry so, about it. So here's the thing. <clears throat> I feel like there was a lot of potential in here. If someone semi-competent had stepped in and if there was more money, it's Danzig. Where, he can find money, can't he? I know he wanted to stay out of the Hollywood circles and all that, but there has to be a way that he could have gotten some money for this. I mean, there was, there was, sure. He pro I'm, sure, I'm sure he could, but it's, I think it's part of the problem is that Danzig always wants to handle his own stuff and you needed a writer first off, first and foremost, no matter who you cast in it, you <laughs> needed someone to make these stories stories. And it's, there's a sick fascination with the comic books just to see if the, the, the to revisit the stories. Cause I've seen them many years past and I, it, to really see if this, if they are truly this, devoid of basic storytelling and narrative of you know narrative devices because there's there's nothing to hold them together and yeah. with the budget it's just not i mean he had some interesting lighting choices again that first segment um there's some interesting choices visually but you've got other ones like you know ashley wisdom's blade runner pink pixie wig is like it's coming off in so many scenes that like you see her hair underneath and I'm like, look, we know it's a wig, but can you at least, can you at least Bobby pin that shit down? Like, you know, it's just, there was, there was no, it was not, there was, there was no consideration of the audience in this picture. And that's probably the most upsetting feature. But again, I, I was hoping for something like a live action heavy metal, even if it was very low budget and we didn't get it. No. Uh, and we didn't get a Tales from the Crypt. We got something that really feels like Danzig, but <laughs> apparently that's not what I wanted. It, 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 um, Danzig with maybe $5 million and someone to manage the special effects more properly, it probably could have looked awesome because I've seen some of the Verotic art Right. And some of it is really good. He and some good I, looked, I looked at it and I was like, yeah, that was probably way too expensive for this movie. Oh, look at the color. Like, I mean, they wanted me to do it. If he put the budget into a short, they could have been good. But I think you're, for me, there are too many problems with the script. The oh, yeah. The script is just, un, it is, it's bad. It's unfathomably bad. Can't handle I mean, it. I mean, this was, a, to me, it was just a vehicle for the visuals. And that also 
fail. So it's like, if the writing was bad, but the visuals were fantastic, you'd go, well, you know, it's a, it's a good first attempt. I also, I also thought it was very tame, frankly. It um, really was. I, I thought it was very tame. For, for a shock film, this is nothing new. It's not important. I mean, I would have expected, give the Albania spider guy a penis. Seriously. Give yeah. him a, a, an applique penis because he's supposed to be this masculine monster. And I mean, fuck it. Do it. Just, just, like, just, I don't know. I don't says understand. it right there. Just give the spider a big old flopping dong. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, like, it at least could... <laughs> it's, it's not a visual podcast yet. um yeah i can't so so it's just it's just you know the elephant trunk it's just not it's just not there but we're gonna move on we're gonna move on here uh jeff wait 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 i didn't okay. get i didn't get my chance to rewrite this story yet oh, that's like okay. a classic uh you know uh thing there, now fix right? this movie you fix this movie okay so just in the first scene right you have this woman with you know her eyes on her tits like why isn't she blind like that would actually have started to make this character interesting why was it like why couldn't she see and as soon as she revealed her tits like oh i can see now because that's where my fucking eyeballs are uh, and that would actually make an interesting character it's like she's really ashamed about these you know eyeballs and her tits so she doesn't want to show them but that makes her blind in her like normal life and so then you have this spider that that uh, she creates through some you know whatever fucking mystical method, but he's killing people silently with her in the room, and she's like she doesn't really know what's happening, and it creates kind of this mystery and tension of what's going on, and eventually she has to face her fear of showing her her you know eyeball titties so that uh, she can stop this monster from killing things you know it's it, you know oh now there's a character there and there's uh you know she's dealing with some sort of uh you know issue with her you know personal like you know worth and self-esteem and stuff and and then oh now now we have a character and something interesting happening uh brilliant sold you, that's how i you, that's how i that's how i fix the first thing are you listening hire this man thirty thousand yeah. dollars it's greenlit let's go <laughs> No, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that, and that is, I think too, I don't mind things that aren't explained because I'm a weird guy anyway. And I think most yeah. of us who are interested in these kind of films are. Like, if, if, it's, if it's interesting, and the first segment did have some interest, and the other segments just in, in aggressively growing quantities of dropped potential. Um, and I'm not sure why those segments were chosen then. Um, I guess I don't know. It felt like there was no, uh, there was no time spent to improve upon things. It was just taken off the page and put in, would be my guess. And uh, as Tad said, without the artwork to carry it, which it clearly was just carrying it, um, you don't get it. So, I will, I will give this to Danzig. There were people of color in this film, which was nice. I mean, not any of the leads necessarily, but um, you know, you you had some. Uh, some black actors and otherwise in this film, which uh, is frankly, I'm not sure I expected that. Um, I don't, you know, I love the misfits, but when I go to the show, it's a seal. Uh, it's a sea of mayonnaise. Okay. So I, I was, I was, I was pleased by him. I felt like, and I don't feel like everyone was exploited, but I don't know. You can't tell from watching it all the time, but there's some films where I'm watching I'm like, Oh, this person regrets this. And I don't know that anybody really regretted it. Mm -hmm. Um, so hopefully not. And, and, you know, anyway, Jeff, who oh, would wait, you one, one more thing. One <laughs> yes, more thing. Yes. So <laughs> the stripper scene, I'll fix the stripper scene. Too. 
<laughs> Seriously, though, there's like really talented like like pole dancers out. Yes, there. like mm-hmm. amazingly, like there's competitions on it. Like mm-hmm. hire somebody that can make that like seem interesting. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you're gonna spend that much time in a strip club as like, a lead, show especially, us, yeah, yeah, show us something amazing. You know, like go hire, yeah, like like even or just get rid of the lead in those scenes. Just like hire somebody to make those scenes interesting with like a real like legitimate talent. Well, like, what, that's I, how... what I thought was weird is that that was a weirdly, I mean, I, this is, this is uh, too much information. For I actually have never been to a strip club. I've never been, I don't It just, it didn't seem like my thing, it was, but it, it, it was pretty close to what that's, that's exactly what I mean. Like. Yeah, it yeah. seems really, and right down to the clearly real performers who were in the background bored out of their fucking mind. Like these were the phoning it in, like, look, my ass shakes. I am going to shake it for every scene and I am not even gonna turn around. There is just, nope, doesn't have to happen. Doesn't have to happen. Not my problem, not my deal. I'm on B shift, I don't care. It's three o'clock on a Tuesday, I don't care. Like, and it was, <laughs> and, that, and that actually, I did, I was sold on that. Like I was like, you know what? Good for you, good for you. But again, and also, I don't know if we're seeing more into Danzig's world than, than we thought. Because, like, what's with the dress? Did you notice how the people were dressed in the strip club? Half of them looked like people that literally were just in that building. It was like, hey, you want to be in this scene? And then the, <laughs> They're and then just had, there for their Italian dinner. And then, <laughs> <laughs> I just came for the meatballs. You want to stay? <laughs> and, then like, and then, like, you had – and by the way, whatever that was, they'd used – plain butcher paper to block out all the doors and windows in the background so you see the scenes i'm like you can't like just just use a black drop cloth because then it just looks like you can't see through it i'm looking at butcher paper and tape i mean is this is it an actual butchery like what is happening here and then this it's all coming back to me but then you know (laughs) you, you like there was that one big guy in the strip club scene that just had a a baseball cap on it with a big metal buckle that just said fuck like that was, I don't know if you saw him, they spent an inordinate amount of time facing the camera towards him. And I was like, is he gonna play a part? Is she gonna steal his face and, and it's gonna and turn her world around? I don't know, it didn't. It it's didn't. A, it, see, he, and he, that means that he missed another very important part of, of you know, creative writing, which is the Chekhov's gun thing. It's like, if I'm gonna, if you're right, gonna put right. something as cool as that hat in there, that hat better fucking do something. Mm-hmm. I, I actually really did like the scene in that though, when, because there was there was there's one blonde uh, stripper performer who gets a lot of screen time too, and we don't really know why. I you kind of assume, at least I did, that she would be a victim at some point of her coworker who was stealing faces. Um, but actually, what happens is is when the cops trace them to trace, they trace uh, Mystery Girl to the strip club because she left a business card under the corpse of someone. Well, what? And they know it's her too, like and like for certain. Yeah, it doesn't make any st- because she has her name. It's stupid. Anyway, very stupid. Um, she the the blonde girl sees the cops come to the place, and she warns her. She goes up on stage, she's like the cops are coming. Go, I'll cover you. Like that was great. And actually, you know, it feels like they, there could be some sort of like sisterhood in this kind of you know shitty uh, pizzeria strip club, and. Like that, that my action. And liked, I liked that touch. And the police officer is a huge dick in that. Yes. Like, I mean, such a huge dick. Like, and it's bad. And you want him, you want him to lose. So oh, I could tell that he, that, that actor was enjoying that role and hamming sure. it up. Cause hamming I, it up. I love, that's, that's one of my favorite lines. She's like, you can't come back here. They're, the girls are naked. He's like, there's naked girls out here too. It's a 
strip club. I was like, I was like, hey, he's got a point. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's Sean Kanan is his uh, uh, is that actor, and actually, you may recognize him as Mike Barnes from the Karate Kid Three. Um, so he Very actually good. he's he's oh, done a. He's he's done a lot of work. You watch it. Go watch it again. Oh. Don't you recognize him. Um, I, cameo. Nobody's mentioned it yet. Did anyone notice Sean Waltman? X-Pac? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, as soon as I saw him, I was like, that's X-Pac, isn't it? And I looked it up. I'm like, Sean Waltman. Yeah, that's him. How the hell did he get Sean Waltman into this? I don't think Nate watched wrestling when he was a little... No, yeah, he, he did. Like, I, I, knew, I, I did not love wrestling, but I did watch it. I he dragged you into it. it. Sorry. No, I never, I never watched it with you guys. I actually filmed. Oh, if any of the people that I know from 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 Wausau, Wisconsin, are listening to this, I actually, I, I remember, I filmed a uh, amateur high school league of uh, professional wrestling people. That was one of my first filming things that I ever did, and there was some weird things that happened, and that was it was a good time. So no, but I didn't know <laughs> that. But anyway, no, I didn't catch that. Uh, I didn't catch that. It makes me think, and I mean, there are other, there are lots of other adult stars in here as well, I believe, um, if, you know, for people to, who are interested in that or have some knowledge of that. Um, so good for you. It's a, it's a, it's interesting that you, you said that considering that Sean Waltman, I think technically does count as an adult actor because of that one that he filmed. Oh yeah. The self. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, you know, um, don't know, don't know, uh, what to think about that except, um, yeah yeah mm. all right jeff who would you recommend watch this movie oh boy uh have, <laughs> did you watch uh, game of thrones and you just couldn't get enough of the the faceless men and you just needed like a really just more than then come and watch this film because there's some face removal and uh people wearing faces <laughs> No, honestly, I mean it's a bad film. Like, don't don't watch it unless you're like you're you know in for a laugh. <laughs> an ironic laugh. Yeah, an ironic laugh. I mean, the mustache is worth. It. Actually, the mustache is worth it. I, I, watch it for the mustache. Watch it for the mustache and the in the French accents. So, uh, let's see. I guess we're getting the list. Uh, mustache fetishists. Uh, blood fetishists, choking fetishists, and uh, you know, face removal fetishists. That's this will be just right down your alley. All right, Tad. Same question. Who would you recommend this film to? Uh, you know what? I don't actually have a recommendation that's snarky this time. Honestly, don't watch this movie. Oh, and actually, watch Danzig one third fan. of this movie. You're a Danzig fan. I you're know. I, because at least normally I figured I'd have been like, you know what, if you love Danzig's music, watch this. Oh, wait, there's yeah. not enough. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ. I probably could have made a decent short film just based off one of his old songs, songs. from uh, from Danzig 2 or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there was some good shit in there. Um, no, I watch one third. I, I recommend one third of this movie to anyone who just wants to have a good time. The rest of it, fuck it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I would say uh, if, if you just broke these up and just watched um, uh, the, the first segment, the albino spider of um, Dajette, like that, that's, that's more interesting. And actually, I, I, of all of them, I think Ashley Wisdom as a Jet, I think her accent was actually pretty fine. Uh, but again, I'm not French. Uh, I would say by the poster, um, I don't know if that's Eastman or Bisley artwork or what, but uh, it's, it's better than the film. Uh, and 
you know, if you are the kind of person who wants to be that person, that, that guy or woman or they who finds that weird film that they bring to the party, like you brought the room, you know, you were the per the kid that was raised like bringing Rocky Horror over and your like 12 year old friends are like, wait, like if you want to be that person, then by all means, get Veronica and bring it around. You will be known forever as that guy. It's like, oh, you, sh you like weird movies? You should go check out Steve. Like that's, that will be your identity and this will help you make that identity. Um, totally fine. Uh, but I gotta say, this movie was bad on a level, like it was just shocking to see that Danzig, who's sort of uh, made music based on these fantastical situations of, of horror and things like that, couldn't write a story. It really did surprise me. And it really, it was beyond the technical part of not understanding film, which I can forgive because it's not his medium. Uh, mm -hmm. But the story thing, that's just, that's, that's, that's unfortunate. You should have done some studying. Uh, but again, there was no, it didn't seem like there was any attempt at it. Like, right. right. I would have given him partial credit. Yeah. But yeah, it didn't even, didn't even get there. Yeah. All right. I, uh, I, I, it's, 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 that's the, that's the vibe of this. We're going to move on uh, to our next film. This one also has a musical theme, uh, not through the creators, but uh, through the actual plot. I chose this one just for you, Jeff. Uh, this was the vicious lips from 1986. Um, this movie is in the somewhat near future, or the distant future. I don't know. It's in the future um, when uh, everything is kind of slummish, but there are multiple planets and there is a really popular club that has a slot open for a new band because the previous band died in a spaceship accident. Um, and they don't know who to get to do it. So they're like, why don't we call uh, Maddie, who is this skeezy, Maddie Asher, this skeezy little... Uh, know nothing booker who just um lost the lead singer of his band that he represents called the vicious lips luckily there's a high school talent show nearby he goes in he finds probably the first girl singing and says you're great you want to be in this let's go do it and they play a show and then he gets offered the gig and they all go to play at this place uh i'm still talking because the plot is not about that uh the plot <laughs> is apparently about them landing, crash landing on a planet because he tries to take a shortcut in a stolen spaceship uh, and lands on what turns out to be the pleasure planet, which is a desert with a bunch of monsters and shit. I don't know. Anyway, this is, I'm, this is actually a very succinct description of this film. And then at mm -hmm. the end, and I'm, this is a spoiler in the sense that, um, that telling you that like almond milk isn't, doesn't taste like milk like it's not a spoiler you already know it so it's unimportant and it doesn't change the outcome uh it's actually mostly a dream and the lead the new lead singer wakes up and they're at the new club on this planet and they play a song and it's great albert uh pion directs this he is a uh i actually think he's a pretty good director now i have some qualms with this film though he's done a lot of Charles band movies um he directed mean guns with christopher lambert and ice t uh which is is a, a fun one he he directed doll man which remember we had a teaser for doll man at the end of uh, uh of uh, the episode that we did on bad channels so he's and he did alien from la with uh uh, uh kathy island uh, famed sports illustrated 
bikini model. So he's done a lot of stuff. And uh, a lot of it's pretty watchable. I, I actually like his films. And like I said before, he did the 1980 um, Captain America, which is sort of forgotten these days. He apparently, if anybody's interested, that movie was released again on Blu-ray by Shout Factory somewhat recently. But supposedly, uh, Albert Pion has two additional cuts of that that are different and he used to sell a three disc blu-ray with all three cuts on his website um, i don't know how legal that is but he used to do that i tried to reach out to him he has not responded so i'm sad because i would like that so if anyone has that let us know this movie vicious lips girl band goes to space crash lands on planet lots of it's a dream sequence apparently there's a lot of shit in this movie i when i when i heard about this movie i was excited because i love 80s you know new wave punkish music especially girl brands pat benatar is one of the faves like there is some of that in here and i think some of the music is phenomenal mm-hmm. but this plot is all the fucking over the place and there's huge gap like huge stretches where nothing happens there's no progression and i don't understand i don't understand the editing this is kind of a mess too in a totally different way than verotica um yeah jeff what do you think oh man was, uh, i'm really torn on this one because like I actually like really like the sets. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the costuming. I mean, it, it was like you know '80s just kind of like you know exploded all over this yeah. film. Um, and, and in that aspect, I, you know, I loved it. I like loved mm-hmm. this. It was even kind of like a weird like universe. It kind of felt like a little bit like surreal, um, but all you know, kind of like you know, we've entered uh, this completely new world where you know, planet Earth is connected to, you know, other planets in kind of this, um, you know, at least in an entertainment share kind of way, you know, there's, you know, crazy instruments that like, you know, they look like bug zappers on sticks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's, uh, yeah, there's like a, like a theremin machine kind of type thing where like, I, I don't know what's happening, but it's interesting. Um, and so on that aspect, it's like, you know, got me really excited. Um, but then most of the film, like we spent on like a planet in a crashed ship. Um, Literally not which, even on the planet, just sitting in the ship. Yeah. Just sitting in the sh- and, it, and that's where it kind of, and, and the characters were not that interesting. Like I didn't no. really understand them. Um, like there was one character that was like really catty and like uninterested in this new singer, um, like maybe for her own personal gains. And the, the, like the lead was almost schizophrenic. It felt like she was just like all over the place. She was like really, uh, you know, like very innocent and like, Ooh, do I get to join you? And then she was like, you know, like in the next scene, almost like kind of like trying to like take over and like steal gigs and like, you know, trying to join like another band that she heard. I I don't know. It was just, Yep. I don't know like it, it completely lost me on like the characters and stuff but like yeah like the scenes um like I mean the the sets and the the, the universe like I wanted more of that like I wanted to know what was going on in this place like uh what was going on and then obviously once once the big reset happened at the end it's like oh it's all a dream sequence it, it felt a little bit like oh that little bit of character development we had you just threw out so basically there's no film uh, there's a guy that saw a person sing at a place, had her had her join a band, and now they're at a different gig. I mean, you know what I mean? Like there were they, yep. they almost erased their entire like everything that they did. It's uh, it's weird too because it's sort of like they 
tried to say, well, is it erased or not? Because the venue is called Radioactive Dreams. And yeah. in the beginning, like, she kind of stumbles and that's when she, you think she passed out maybe. Like, it's really unclear. It's sort of like, um, uh, it's like, it's like the Joker, except uh, what we think happened in the Joker clearly happened despite what the scriptwriter says. And in this one, I don't know if anyone knows what really happened. I don't know that there was a scriptwriter. You know, yeah. like it's, it's sort of, it goes in too many directions. Like at first, I think it's going to be this funky, like musical interstellar thing. Cause the opening scene has um, the, the booker for this really, you know, great club that everyone wants to be at causing um, uh, a, a manager to shoot himself in the head because his band is a no show, despite the fact that it's because they died in an act in a car accident. Right. So like, it's like kind of silly. It's like, wow, this, this is crazy. Like uh, he's getting punished because a bunch of people died, uh, but that's the future. And you're like, okay, so this is going to be a big gig for this little Maddie Asher's band um, and this new singer. And you think that's going to be sort of the thing. Like, are they going to make it? Are they going to impress this woman or, or what? But what it actually turns out then to be is they're traveling through space to get to what we thought the plot would be uh, with a monster in the cargo hold that they don't know about and then the month and then they crash land on a planet because uh their manager who's driving is sweating like a crack addict like we don't i don't even know like he's just covered in sweat i don't know what's happening um and then they hit by paying attention to the warnings yeah they the warnings were kind of funny they were they, pretty adorable yeah. they they get yeah it's like so and actually and like you said the sets it's clearly a budget stuff, but they did a great job. Like mm -hmm. even when it's clearly just painted paper stuck all over the walls and electrical cords hanging from the ceiling, I loved it. They gave the vibe perfect in everything they did. Yeah, and the amazing. spaceship, um, the the spaceship interior, especially the cockpit where he's where Maddie the character is driving from, it, is great. It has this little like um, oscilloscope display in the center, and then above it, it has one of those like dot ticker things that's running across mm -hmm. and it's like warning warning and then it, he's not paying attention and then at one point it has you know danger will robinson and then eventually it's like it's a big fucking rock um <laughs> you know like it's it's pretty funny yeah and, and i also like some of the sight gags like he's looking at the map but the maps are just star charts like <laughs> like that was funny flips it over and yeah and I, <laughs> and I enjoy, yeah he turns it upside down i i, I liked that um but we don't get much of that at all uh, and then, except there's this really long segment in the middle where it tries to be a monster movie where they're stuck on the ship, the monster's in the hold, they know there's something there, and it still takes until like the last 30 minutes for the monster to even break out. And then they get, and then she gets like the lead, the, the act, the uh, character who is, you know, the new singer, um, who is kind of the lead, I guess, if there is a lead. Uh, would be is running through I guess a fabric factory I know it's supposed to be the pleasure planet but it's just hanging reams of fabric um, and it's Drew Ann Perry plays this character who uh, is named Judy Jetson don't think they have the rights for that but I don't think you need the rights either um, also just a heads up Drew Ann Perry she's been in a couple of movies um, mostly Albert Pion's work but Albert Pion is doing a, uh, a film called Cyborg Nemesis. I don't know if it's going to be tied to the Nemesis series or not. I assume it is because it's, um, it must be because it has Olivia Gurner in it. 
who's from those as well. But that film will be coming out probably next year, and she's in that. So we, we get to see a lot of these people again, uh, which is, that's nice. Uh, but yeah, so she, she's kind of, like you said, it's, you expect her to be like the little girl next door, like she's the farmer's daughter, like in the, in the big city for the first time. But she then kind of is like, ooh, this other band that's already bigger is looking for a singer. Maybe I'll go to them. And they kind of give her shit for it. But they've been the band has been mean to her the whole time. Yeah. Like, I don't know who I'm supposed to feel for in this. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, I mean, there's one character that's very clear, like the character that like does not like the new singer, right? Like, yes. Uh, like she, like very clear character. She doesn't like her. I don't specifically know why, uh, but yeah, she's, you know, she's constantly, oh, you're, you're an okay, you have an okay voice, but you need a voice, and, you know, like, she's kind of, like, mean girling her, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know, like, you know, who the main character is, really, like, yeah. yeah, like, she really does start out, like, not just seemingly, like, the girl next door from, you know, like, you know, a farming dad, like, that's, like, she acts like that for the first, like, you know, three mm -hmm. scenes or whatever. And then she seems to, like, kind of 180 to, like, I don't know if she's, like, picking up the persona of the character she's, like, replacing or something. Like, because she was, like, kind of a bitch. And then mm -hmm. this character kind of starts to be... I really don't know, you know, what they were going for there. There yep. wasn't enough on the page. I think you're on to something there, Jeff. Yeah. Considering I, maybe that maybe that scene at the end was a little more symbolic than I thought when uh, she's grappling with Ace, and I was like, "Oh, this is actually interesting." Yeah, like a personality conflict. They really tried, and like, they, there's, mm -hmm. there's, it's just I feel like they could have just chosen one path and been a little more prosaic with it, and it would have been more successful. Because I was like in the beginning, because like the the right hand man of the woman who books this uh, radioactive dreams club, right, the big one. Um, he's got these great, by the way, some of the spatial, the physical special effects on the characters, the aliens is really good. Um, and her right hand man has like this sort of vampire from Buffy face. And he's got these really gnarly sharkish teeth and it looks great. I love it. Um, and then I was in the movie. I'm like, wow, did they just reuse his applique for the, the monster? <laughs> and then at the end, when you find out it's a dream and she wakes up with the, with, instead of the monster, it's with the, the right hand man. You're like, Oh, oh it is supposed to be like her reality and dreams are impinging on each other and like it's interesting but it's so unclear that mm -hmm. I, i'm like i don't know if that i assume it was intentional but i don't get it and it's, it's not because like, it, it's not because we're not smart enough it's because yeah. you didn't give us enough information it's, that's great um yeah. yeah and and you've got some 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 of the so the band uh again great wigs loved their I mean, teased until enraged wigs. They're phenomenal. Um, Gina Calabrese uh, plays one of the characters. Um, I don't know. I like her character. Uh, let's listen to this clip here. She's the one that's uh, the pretty one who is kind of, they're all kind of jaded at this point. Um, so here we go. Boy, Lindsay, you sure have a lot of makeup. You change so much all the time. It's hard to tell what you really look like. This is me. Under all this shit is shit. Just like my life. Ever think about quitting? Never. If I didn't have the band, I'd have nothing. I'll do anything to make it, Wednesday. Anything. 
Would you have sex with a fungi door? Gross. No way. I did. That was really a low point. Yeah. Yep. So would in case anybody couldn't hear that, I'd do anything to be famous. Would you have sex with a fungi dwarf? Uh, ew, no. Well, I did. That was really a low point. Now, I'm going to stick up for fungi dwarfs. I don't know. I don't know any, but that seems, that seems a little specious at the very least. Mm. Um, but I, I liked this. And I think um, this was uh, Drew Ann Perry. No, that, that Drew Ann Perry is the, the, the new lead singer who's asking those questions. Um, and I believe Linda Carriage is the, the woman that is, is playing Winda, who she's talking to. Um, she's, so she has an Australian accent and because she's from Australia and she's trying, I think she's trying to cover it up sometimes and it leads to really weird sounding phrases. Like um, sometimes she sounds like she's trying to do a Southern accent and sometimes she just sounds like she has no, uh, you know, accent at all. So I, I was a little distracted for a while until I, I actually, I had to look up whether or not she was, uh, she was from Australia. Cause I'm like, I have to find out where she's from because this, these, this language doesn't make sense. So that was an interesting thing. I, I often feel like, especially, I mean, it's gotta be so hard to deal with a different accent or a different language. I'm like, just, just go with what's most natural. And I wish you actually would do that more often. I mean, even like look at a big budget film, like red sparrow, like why, why is Jennifer Lawrence doing a Russian accent? God awful. Just stop, just stop. Um, it's not going to work. You know, not everyone uh, can be Kate Mulgrew in as red in Orange is the New Black. It's not going to fly for most people. So that that was a little weird. But again, it, it took until these really dead scenes in the middle where people are literally just sitting in a dark crash ship that looks like a it looks like a closed down rec room that's you know gone through an earthquake. Like before characterization happens. And it's a problem because no plot is happening. So the characterization is occurring and we're bored and it no longer matters to us whatsoever. Um, and the, the whole, there's like, like Jeff said, there's, you know, one of the band members doesn't like her. She, at one point she's like, you're just like uh, Ace Lucas, who is their, their previous singer who ran off and died. Basically everyone who is a musician and is not in this band in this movie dies. It's pretty much how it works. I'm like, that's why at the end, they're the biggest band in the world is because everyone else is dead, I think is what happens. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there, there are little bits. The monster, I don't, I don't get them. Like, like you said, the, sim, the symbolics don't make sense. Um, the monster, by the way, is called Milo, the Venusian man beast. Um, and we don't ever know that, except for the fact that it says so in the opening credits. Now, Christian Andrews plays this character and he was in some films in the 80s. Um, and uh and that's you know you, you might recognize him if you're an 80s uh, obsessor he was in uh kickboxer too uh things like that but uh, he does a pretty good job I, I, he's given nothing and yet when we first see him in like the cargo bay which he spends 30 minutes of the film in just in the dark pounding on a door and then sitting like he's constipated like does he actually does facial acting which is i will give him credit that is hard when you have like you know, all of that prosthetic makeup on. 
Um, I mean, that's, that's some Tom Hardy level, my face is covered, but I'm acting. Let's see, and, but I had a problem with the ADR, the outside, the additional dialogue recording. I don't know if anybody else had that problem. There's like one being in the beginning, um, when they get the gig, when they're the big gig and they're playing at this little shithole or whatever, um, they there's a scene where Maddie's like, we're going to the big time, whatever. He's talking and there is no sound coming out of his mouth. And then there's a line he's delivering that he is not saying. And it's mm. not that it's off. It's that it's literally just completely different. Like, I don't know what, did he say some sort of horrible racist remark and they had to redub that? Like, how can the dialogue, how can it be so different? Um, Weird, I don't remember that. Here, I'll play, Maybe this is the clip. This is, this is near, this is a clip um, of him. And, and the guy who plays uh, Matty Asher is Anthony Kent. <coughs> and Anthony Kent, I will say, this was his only film to my knowledge, um, but he actually, I thought he did okay. He hands it up, he chews the scenery like nobody's business as this little stereotypical manager. Um, but you know, I feel like that is the kind of movie that it was intended to be. And so I, I, I found it more entertaining than a lot of the other stuff. I just feel like they also gave him a lot to ad lib, which was probably a bad idea because, I mean, <laughs> him talking to himself is, is not great. Here's, here's, here's what he sounds like. What? <laughs> what? Hey, 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 you'll give us a gig tomorrow night? See the writing on the wall. A lonely isolation. Reaching Okay, so yes, I played that clip because I really just wanted to hear that song again because um, that song and several others uh, are performed by Sue Sad, uh, S-A-A-D. Um, her band uh, released an album in, the, in 1980. Uh, it's, her band is called Sue Sad and the Next. Um, and they were weirdly known for doing songs on soundtracks at the time more than anything else. And they... Uh, in my opinion, if you love Pat Benatar or Bonnie Tyler, like they're phenomenal. She is an amazing vocalist. Um, uh, James Sod is is the the songwriter for most of it. Very good. Um, Richard Perry produced their first album with them. Like it's it's really good stuff. And there are at least three solid songs by Suicide in the next. Uh, actually, her band I don't believe was in it, but by Suicide in this film. And honestly. I was so much more interested in those than the actual film by the end, because that's what carried me. Like unlike Verotica where it just got worse and worse. And then at the end, there's nothing that I could find interesting. Um, this one, it does get worse, but then that final scene where they're at the bar, like they finally are at the show and she built up that awesome song. It's like lunar madness. I think it's called. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. It's so good. And she's um, a good performer too. Like, yeah, Drew, Drew Ann Perry, it's, yeah, she's yeah. not singing, but she's lip syncing very well, um, yeah. which is impressive because uh, <laughs> I've, we've seen a lot of bad lip syncing and we've seen a lot of bad ADR in this film by itself. So the fact <laughs> yeah, that they, they focus so hard on that um, was they really actually good. actually lined it up pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> there, there were like a couple moments that it wasn't like yeah. perfect, but like 
overall it was it was quite good I, I felt like it was probably music video quality like an 80s music video yeah. probably would have done as well um i also felt like i don't know if it was the inspiration that Alpine had or not but i felt like in general the aesthetics of this film especially the multicolored lighting the really hard red or green or blue it felt like an 80s music video and that was very mm. successful and as you said jeff i think that was the whole thing like this movie just vomits 80s into your face in yeah. a good way in a good oh, way i mean there's that there's a scene when when all the women are fighting and they're arguing and like but we're a band but you were gonna leave but blah, 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 blah. it turns into this like super stereotypical like man's vision of a girl fight except nobody's like chest pops out yeah. they snatch all of each other's wigs literally snatch the wigs off their head okay. and that i cracked me up because yeah. i love i i'm a big supporter of the drag community and the idea of all these people with these giant multi-wig wigs like those are not just one wig like each one of those is several wigs teased to heaven getting snatched off all their heads and then the continuity person died because in the next scene we get drew ann perry running with her wig back um and and i don't i don't understand there's like so many weird abstract things happening there like yeah yeah well because at one point like so she runs she's being chased by the monster right after they after all the girls fight the other girls are apparently knocked out and again it's a dream so who knows but they're all knocked out um this the lead singer gets out of the ship and then she's being chased by the monster she's in that fabric factory of a pleasure planet and then she gets like grabbed by a bunch of like undead space punks and they're like and they're drooling on her they throw her and hold her down and tear her jacket off and you're like and you're like oh are they gonna rape her are they gonna eat her what's happening and they're like oh we can't wait to eat her and you're like oh okay well, they're gonna eat her that's wholesome and then he's like no i want to have a play with her first I'm like okay that's rape. and then you get like the monster coming in and saving her but then the monster and these punks show up back and forth and then another character shows up i'm like i'm like albert there's 10 minutes left in the movie you cannot introduce any more characters. That is not allowed. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same like, thing. I was is, like, there's no way you can end this film. That is not allowed. <laughs> and he that proved is, me wrong because then he just was like, no, reset button. Here's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, and then they do try in that thing, like when, when um, uh, we'll call her Judy Jetson because that's her, her name in the film. Uh, the lead, Judy Jetson, when she wakes up with, um, the the scary teeth guy who's like, are you okay? Like, we got to get to the show. Like, it's in two glass elevators that are moving up at the same speed, and in the other elevator, you see all of those punks. You're like, oh, okay, they're people from the real world or whatever. Um, also, there's a lot of drug use in this film. It's goofy space drugs, so they say. Um, like, you're like, okay, well, they're pills, so you can call them whatever you want, but they're pills and a hookah and whatever. Um, but it was so supposed to be like, these are some like hard, like rocking, like we've been around a while, we're jaded, we're taking drugs, but it doesn't really do anything. Um, I, but what totally stunned me and my wife as we were watching this is uh, this film predicted the vape pen. Like yeah. they have a vaporizer and like, I'm like, yeah, it looks like an oil can, but it's got a vape pen on it. And then that's how they smoke. And you know, I'm like, what, what, can, Albert, like, did you write this script? Can you sue these guys? Like, like <laughs> I, Jewel says they're out of money, but I see a lot of people. I think they've got plenty. Um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. So you just brought up, okay, so this was my take on this movie. And I, my wife got it way before I did, which just shows that her uh, powers of 80s astuteness are, are better than mine. Um, 
the impression I got from this movie is it kind of felt like it was sort of a, a commentary on the music industry and, you know, what happens when a good girl gets into a, like a punk rock band within five minutes, she is absolutely ruined and like becomes catty. <laughs> I was like, I actually liked that development. It's like, Oh, the music, the, 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 the stress and the, and the, the grind of the music industry is already wearing this poor girl out and turning her into the jaded bitches that she's surrounded by. And then I realized I was like, Oh, there's a scene where she's popping pills and a scene where she suddenly, just inhales some drug she doesn't even know what it is so i felt like at some point i thought the whole thing was just a giant drug trip that she was on yeah and i was only like 20 percent right because it was maybe sort of a that's the thing I, and that's the thing too is i think they could have made that clear that that was the case because that would have made sense right they're yeah. on the ship and then that's when all the weird shit happens but again we we don't know and i think that they i don't know that they know at that point um i don't know if i asked if i asked you know mr pune right now like hey that was that and he'd be like uh what movie did i do um <laughs> i'm sure he would remember uh, as an interesting note this film was not released in the united states uh, officially until 2013 so that's uh, i find that it's slipped under a lot of people's radars for 80 cinema um the poster wow. is phenomenal it's got like a bunch of it's got like a band of women in like barbarella outfits with musical instruments um that is not in the movie not at all so not not at all so don't expect that buy the poster you'll be happy in fact buy the poster for both these films because they're great and then you will love that but you know the movies advertising may, products may vary from those shows <laughs> um yeah there was a the other thing too can we talk about the editing and the start of this film as i said i'm a fan of albert pune as a director um i don't know how much of this was his issue or not but there were like for minutes at a time there are stretches of this movie where there is not a single shot that is more than like 15 seconds long and it is disjointed to all get out it, and actually that I, the whole film was fast yeah. like yeah, I, yeah it, it, it was and i haven't i haven't watched like a lot of films from this period and i was wondering if it was kind of like a style thing that was happening at the time. I don't know. I don't but think so. It was, it was very, very, very fast. It was really jamming a lot of content in. Um, there was like, you know, like you said, it was like 15 seconds per scene and mm -hmm. it was just like right to the next scene. It, there was like, there was no like little break to kind of like mm -hmm. ease into the scene. It was like, there's some dialogue right here. And then like two seconds later or less, there's just the next dialogue is starting yeah. in the next scene. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely jarring. There's, there's a lot of, and there were a lot of reused um, even, so there are two cases in the end, one during her like um, Judy Jetson's fleeing through the fabric factory. And then once at the end during the final song while they're, you know, hitting their big break and succeeding that the, the movie decides to replay itself for our pleasure uh, completely uh, through through random scenes. And I mean, it it, it goes through, ev like just, I mean, we're talking scenes that are completely nonsensical, that have nothing to do with anything. Um, like, and, and then that's that happens. And I mean, we see that, okay? Are you padding for time? Was there nothing? In that's fine. I, I get it. It wasn't super long. They did it twice, but I felt like it was only a couple of minutes worth, so I wasn't too upset. But especially in the beginning, like when um, Judy Jetson is first introduced to the Vicious Lips, and they're all doing their makeup in front of the mirrors and the dingy back of this bar um like they continually cut it's like scene cut to pan across the makeup cut to scene cut to pan across the makeup cut to scene more pan across the makeup and i'm like i didn't understand i'm like are you is this the 
you know, oh shit shot or the cat in the window shot where they had to cover time because they didn't have the right shot or there was a problem with the shots because, and there's a couple of times when I was like, I was like, it almost feels like there was an issue. And so they had to use a creative way to cover it. And it, it jarred the hell out of me. And I feel like there was a lot of sequential stuff that we missed. For example, when they play that first shitty gig before, you know, before uh, they get the big break call, um, they're in a bar and the, I think the, the new lead, I don't know, it's the new lead or one of the other uh, band members, because we haven't really seen them enough to know what they look like yet, walks out. One of the like blue collar guys throws something and it hits her in the face. And she's like, ah, and then while they're singing later on, like a few minutes later, it pans across and the guy is like holding his hand, like he's had his hand broken. And the assumption is, is that the, the, the rough and tumble one probably crunched the guy's hand, I guess, but it's like, there's pieces missing here and there. And I'm curious because I was watching really carefully to see and went back and see like, is there any indication? And I think it's very clear that that's supposed to be the implication because in the scene beforehand, when they're doing their makeup, there's a great scene where two guys are like outside in the alleyway and they're <laughs> and they try and use a peephole in the wooden wall or whatever to see the women. And she gets up and she sticks her thumb in the socket and the guy's like, ah, in his eyes, in his hand. And I, I kind of, I liked that sort of like, it's a joke, but it's also gruesome. Um, I wish she put her cigarette in his eye. That would have been even better. But she does that and he has his eye. And I'm like, okay, so this is the rough and tumble group. And then the hand's injured, but we don't see it. And there's so much jarring cinematography. It just makes me wonder what happened in the back end of this film that mm. caused some of these choices to be made. Because I do feel like there's a story there. Um, some it, stuff got left on the, yeah. the floor. Yeah. And, and, there's a, there's, and I also wondered that um, in when they're on the ship early on and they're flying and it's supposed to, what we assume is the short montage of them flying through space that ends up being the bulk of the movie. Um, there's a montage that's just a song. It's not so sad, but there's a song playing and the women are just walking back and forth, having conversations that we can't hear. They're pretty, seem like pretty specific conversations. It almost feels like there's supposed to be dialogue there. I'm like, did the dialogue get ruined? And you needed to cover it with those cut scenes that were about something else and you had to fill time. So you played songs over it. Like it just felt like this movie had a lot of places where they were just, they had to make shit work as opposed to do what was supposed to happen. And that mm, to me would make sense as to why the clarity is so poor. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's interesting to me that the movie only had an 80 minute runtime. Like they yeah. had plenty of time and I'm guessing they just didn't have enough material, material to work right. with. Yeah. yeah. I agree. And, and the eight, and it feels too long, right? Like to me, it felt too long. Like there was a, the, the middle stretches. I think, that's, yeah, I think there's a pacing yeah. issue though. It's like yeah. the beginning was interesting. The end was kind of weird and short. And then the middle was, uh, we're stuck. Yep. Well, like the yep. beginning, they jammed those, like they just jammed a lot of scenes. And then, and then it was like, they just like, like slammed on the brakes for like, you know, 40 minutes almost yeah exactly yeah. It, it, it really uh, the bulk of the movie i would hazard to say yeah, yeah um and so but again there's some really cool pieces the practical effects that they have when they have them is good there's some other things that don't so 
the whole crash landing scene, as I'm, as I'm playing it over, it does seem to have indications that it is a dream. For example, the lead singer sees a woman out in the sand running around and nobody else seems to see her. Um, we assume it's because she's like out of sight every time the others run up. But now we're like, wait a minute, because when she's exploring the cockpit by herself early on when they're crashed, um, a, an 80s musician looking woman slams against the window. And I think that that's the singer she replaced who mm -hmm. shows up a couple of times, at which place that indicates to me that the entire thing, the crash landing and everything was a dream sequence, which again is like, okay, well then it probably isn't the drugs because then they still crash because that happened after. It just, there's no, it's a fault of the script, if the confusion. Mm -hmm. um, there's uh, also lots of schlocky things like let's look so this is the movie ends we've talked how she wakes up and basically they go on stage and they knock it out of the park there also is a weird character change maddie the manager all of a sudden is like man i'm the big guy like let's show let's listen to this clip not bad <laughs> not bad <laughs> we're looking at a total absolute phenomenon here well i wouldn't go that far oh, you don't need to you don't need to i'm just gonna take most of the drama that Love it when you're tough, Maddie. And and that's that character is Maxine, who is the one that runs the the big club, um, who in the opening scene of the film causes another manager to shoot himself in the head because his band can't play because they are dead. And this change is supposed to have occurred because all of a sudden his band sounds great, and he's like, man, screw you. And he actually says, I think he tells her to shut up in the next bit. And you're like, uh, where did this change come? Like, not just in him, but in her. And she's like, like, cause she's gonna make a lot of money. I don't know. It was, it was, last, like you said, it was crammed in. The last line of the movie was, "Don't touch my fucking hair." Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I will say that I think that, and we've reviewed a couple of movies. My mother's a werewolf. Kind of like this too. The music is great in this film, and um, I actually, this music is more even my music than. Um, say Bad Channels is such a great soundtrack and it is a mm -hmm. shame that the soundtrack is not available right now. I know, I was um, looking for I it. I did too, I hunted for it. Some people have made Spotify lists and things so you can listen to it, so that's great. Um, but as I said, Sue Sad is great. She did great singer, great songs. Um, she did a lot, of, she did a, a song for Roadies as well, which Joan Jett is also on the soundtrack of. That's a good one to have. So that that's worth watching this movie if you're interested in the 80s new wave punk uh, sort of crossover music. Um, as I said, there's a lot of nothing in this film, but there's a lot of interesting stuff. And I think if you dig deeper and you think about the film, which we have to think about films like this because otherwise it's probably just a bad film. <laughs> and, and, I, and, I think, and I think thinking about it, you can start to see, oh, okay. There's probably a lot of backend issues that caused some changes in this film and they were scrambling to make it work. And in that aspect, I think that it's somewhat successful i will say that i think that there's a reason why this one was not released in the u.s when other albert pn films that sort of have a similar vibe like alien from la were released um that one is a little more complete and competent and easy to follow despite being just as flipping weird so Here, here's my my take on actually this this film so i think it should have been a musical it was like maybe mm -hmm. three songs from being a musical yeah um I think you could have actually gotten away with like a lot of the kind of lack of clarity mm -hmm. um, just, just by, by converting it into uh, something that's music driven. 
Are you saying cats isn't clear, Jeff? Are you saying that that <laughs> cats doesn't have to have a plot? No, I'm saying that like when yeah, when when you have like the majority of your plot driven by music, like you know, yeah. some, sometimes there's some holes left. I agree. Um, and yeah, and, and and an audience can kind of uh, can roll with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think it just was um, maybe a better way to present more of this universe, like. I want to see more, you know, like gig locations or whatever. You could also mm-hmm. go down the path, like Tad said, where, you know, the the main actress or the lead actress is uh, kind of falling down the rabbit hole of becoming jaded. You could, mm-hmm. you know, music numbers are great for running essentially a montage. You can essentially show yep. an entire downfall of a person through the, the duration of a song. I think it would have worked really well. Um, I think you're right. I think you're right on that. And I think that um, your constant desire on this podcast to make everything into Interstellar 555 (laughs) is commendable, is commendable. Um, But no, and and for listeners, uh, listeners of this podcast, go back and listen to um, uh, our episode where we talk about uh, bad channels uh, and coneheads because uh, Jeff suggest similar similar things here um and i but i agree with you i think that the music is the strongest point and the fact that they're a band that could have done some great things and i think that i felt robbed of a true montage we have Mm -hmm. just music playing over that scene where they're wandering around the ship aimlessly and i'm like uh the best thing about some of these movies is the montage like even a makeup putting on montage would have been fantastic um also, my yeah, wife and I were yeah, dis- my wife and I were discussing like uh, their cigarette things that they smoke at the thing look just like the brushes, and they even make a joke at one point like, "Who put my my cigarette my brush in the ashtray?" And I'm like, "I don't know if this is joking because they are, I think, actually brushes that have paint on them that they're just using as like <laughs> as as cigarettes and holders. It's very confusing." And like later on, the the gruff woman who the gruff member who's always like angry at the new lead and, and is always smoking or taking drugs or whatever. She's smoking what my wife said, no, it's a holder. No, I swear it was a lip pencil. Okay. It was a lip pencil. So I'm just saying, I don't, there's a lot of new, of little bits of humor that I think were just not, they were, they were missed. Um, but also interesting prop work. There are props everywhere in this movie. I give it to the prop people. I feel like a lot of people put their heart and soul into this. Um, even the ship looks pretty good, although the choice of how they filmed it flying through the space is hilarious. Yeah, they literally, they're just doing another visual joke for an audio podcast. <laughs> they, they like hold it like, you know, like horizontally and then jiggle it up and down beside the camera and just have black space behind it. I'm like, there are much better ways to do this. You know, Star Wars has already happened. You can do this. Star Trek has already happened. You can do this. So uh, that was, that was, that was interesting to me. Um, but I, I would love to see now. I would love to see a reboot of this movie. You can oh, do yeah. some awesome stuff with this film. Um, but don't put Anna Kendrick in it. I can't do it again. I can't take it anymore. I don't think she's got the, the range. You need someone who has the range. Give it to Gaga. Ga- let Gaga direct it. That would be amazing. Mm, Lady Gaga a directing a Vicious Lips reboot. I would love it. I would love it. She'd get all the drag queens in it. It would be perfect. That's my take. Uh, that's mm. how I would fix this film. Tad, what I actually, I, I actually, when I when I first saw like what uh, what this, I thought there were going to be like drag queens in this film. I, I was yeah. I was actually surprised that uh, that, that that didn't happen. See that that could have been one of the uh, 
you know, the musical numbers. Well, I was kind of disappointed. I was kind of disappointed that I thought it was going to be like a battle of the band scenario because mm. I thought that when I first saw the pre premise of the film, I was hoping that there would be great music that would be by, they could be different bands doing it, you know, and it would be them competing. And then you could have alien bands and that would be yeah. super fun. Um, and that would have been a lot more interesting. And you could have worked in the subplots with, you know, uh, like Tad said, with the her going down, like the, I'm going to go solo, you know, like she could, she could be Phil Collins all she wants. And like, mm, that could that be. That plot would really fall into a musical reel. It, it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's when the Ninja Turtles would come out of the time. <laughs> I was proud of myself. I have not mentioned Ninja Turtles this since the podcast. I, so, so yeah. So, um, uh, I, I thought that that was, that was something that could have happened. And I'm sad that we didn't get that because there are some interesting effects. We get this fantastic elf looking uh, ant, space anteater oh, smoking was... a cigarette puppet at the end, introducing that was, the band. Yeah, that, that was, was pretty cool. Yeah. I, I loved it. Yeah. Um, so that was. Uh... <sighs> yeah, as soon as he came back in the, on the scene, I was like, oh, okay, I'm back into this. Yeah, me too. Like, I, was like, I, oh. I, didn't, I literally didn't care for like, it was like 40 minutes. So I was just like, well, I'm just don't, don't care what's happening. As soon as he came on the scene, I was like, whoop. Yep. And then I he know. Was, yeah, and the was over. <laughs> you, you give me a slobbery puppet and I will, I yeah. will follow you until the end of time. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, I, I didn't. Uh, yeah. Um, and just, I know that, I know that we're talking uh, about, uh, about vicious lips right now, but just, I wanted to just also bring it back to Verotica. Glenn Danzig's tagline for this movie for Verotica was, you will never be the same after seeing this. I beg to differ. I think that I am very much the same. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is false advertising. And I think he owes me a free poster. That's uh, what I think. I think he owes so, me a free signed copy of all of his albums. Um, well, I will take the free poster. Uh, and <laughs> look, I listened to Five Finger Crawl. Eh, is later. Eh. All right. So anyway, uh, yeah. What I'm gonna say is, is that uh, this movie, Vicious Lips, had promise. I think it has some valid things to 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 commend it. I will say that if you love the '80s and you love Pat Benatar and you sing along to Bonnie Tyler's Total Eclipse of the Heart every chance you get. Uh, and you've watched the bad lip reading video of it. You, you've all that stuff. Okay. I think that you can enjoy this movie, but probably do something else while you're doing it. Cause you'll get engaged and then you'll drift off, you know, crochet something. I don't know. Uh, Deco, if you're into the eighties and you're, you're probably a hipster, you're decoupage something while you're watching this movie and, and you'll have a good time. But if you, if you sit down and, and watch it and if you make your friends watch it, I think they might be annoyed at you. Yeah. Don't do that. No, I, I actually like this film um, in, in the sense that, like, you know, maybe I haven't watched enough 80s stuff, but, like, just, like, the first, like, 20 minutes of the movie, I was just, I was having a blast. Uh, the music was good. The sets were, like, blowing my mind. Um, it, it was just, like, an interesting tapestry. Um, you know, in, in terms of, like, it's it's not a good film. Like, in film sense, it's it's not clear enough. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't actually play on that. But just just for the music and the sets, I think it's it's a worth watching. Um, in in my mind, that was fun. Yeah, I uh, I would agree. 
Tad, what do you think? Who would you recommend this film to? Do you like cyberpunk and do you like musicals? Because it's kind of half of both. It doesn't get all the way there, but it was an attempt. Fair, fair. And, uh, and I think it, it's interesting to say, like, the, the city shots, there's only a couple. Uh, really, there's one and there's, like, an internal space docking. But, like, some of the backdrops, that's are actually pretty good. Like, I enjoyed them. Like, they would be, you know, they, they're better than, you know, a, uh, they're better than a TV sci-fi show. Not as good as Blade Runner. But, you know, Ridley Scott will always win that fight. Yeah. All right. I had a, I had a, yeah, I had a nice, I had a nice little, uh, one of the hangers. Like, oh, this reminds me of Wing Commander. So yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. Yeah, fair. Fair enough. Um, all right. So that's, uh, I think, going to wrap up this episode of Cult and Classic. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, um, we're going to be played out by this fantastic track by the chud remember that all clips used in this podcast are for review purposes only you can check out the chud music at uh, facebook.com slash the chud band and you can support cult and classic podcast by going to cult and classic podcast.com also visit us on instagram twitter and facebook let us know what you think uh let us know if you have any movies that we should review and we look forward to hearing uh what you have to say